hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, the weekly Star Wars book club podcast brought to you by the Teeny Podcast Network. This is the show where we intentionally experience Star Wars stories together one month at a time. And today we are talking Greater Good by Timothy Zahn, chapters one through seven. This is episode 34. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, the Lord Commander, Grand Admiral, and or Patriarch of this enterprise. And I'm joined this week by my mid-captain when he's not drinking on the job, Patrick McIntosh. How you doing, friend? Oi. Uh, I'm drunk on the job and you, again. And you are holding a drink, so this is perfect. <laughs> way, way to be prepared, sir. And last but not least, the one and only speaker of the Aristocra, Utini Patreon Jedi High Council member, and basically our official Thrawn consultant herself, Cheryl freaking Bell. How are you, my friend? I'm well. Yes, Juliana, or no, Camilla. Camilla on Twitter, she was like, uh, yeah, no, Cheryl should be the official Thrawn consultant for Utini. She's right. And I accept. Yeah, she's she was absolutely right. I mean, we've got to give our props where they're due. So, yes, and she's always extremely kind to me, and she always says very kind things about me, and I appreciate her very much. So, check out Cheryl Shout with the merch Kamala. on. We see you with the Utini yeah, hoodie. Yeah, rocking that Utini hoodie. Well done. I live in it. Well done, as you should. I've it's worn comfortable. It for a week straight. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> What's a shower? <laughs> we're we're not going outside. We can't smell you. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're in quarantine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, we are live in Discord every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and our episodes hit the ETU Network feeds every Tuesday morning around midnight. However you're listening to us, we're so glad that you're here. Um, Star Wars Day is coming up this Tuesday, uh, which, if you didn't know that, May the 4th. That's super exciting. Um, Chait, this is when this episode will drop on the podcast feeds. Bad Batch Day. Yes, Doodle Boy, you are correct. Um, we will be watching our Inquisitorious patrons and up. We'll be watching that premiere episode of Bad Batch around 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to get on with the entire Utini staff, um, all of our patrons that are at that $10 and up level. Um, we're super excited about it. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I can't guarantee that you won't be spoiled if you're watching it along with us. So, you know, I mean, you don't have to wake up at three in the morning to watch it, but you know, watch it beforehand because there's, there's no promises. Um, but we're really looking forward to it. Every watch party that we've done has been super fun tech issues and all, um, it's a blast. So you won't want to miss it. And then our book schedule coming up. Obviously we are talking Thrawn Ascendancy, greater good this month, the whole month of May and June, we're going to have a special guest and we're going to be covering the age of rebellion limited comic series. We're going to cover the villains that first week and the heroes the week after that. And then we're going to take a little bit of a break. And then come back for The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott in July, um, the next big High Republic book. Super excited for it. All right. We are here to talk about the next step in greatness from our boy Timothy Zahn. Oh, my freaking goodness. It's so good so far, um, which I guess makes sense. It's greater good. It's good. It's good. Right? It's good. But um, Yeah. And please, anyone who's read ahead, no spoilers, because I have only read up to the chapter point that we're covering on this show. So if you have any spoilers and you say it, I will cut you. Keep them to yourself. 
But we are talking about Greater Good. This came out this last Tuesday, April 27th, um, written by Timothy Zahn. And we've we've given a full rundown, a full list of everything that he's covered back in our Ear to the Empire um, special episodes, which also featured Cheryl Bell. Uh, but just in case you you don't know, you've been living under a rock, and this is your first appearance with him. Um, he's covered the Legends Thrawn trilogy and duology. He wrote Outbound Flight, which is important for several reasons that we're probably going to get into, um, as well as many other books and comics and short stories and novellas. And then in canon, he's done the canon Thrawn trilogy, which was Thrawn, Alliances, and uh, Thrawn Treason. And the, now we're in his next trilogy. So this guy just has a thing for trilogies. Um, we covered, or we did not cover Chaos Rising. We need to do that at some point. So maybe one of our community books. Y'all let us know. We can do it. Cheryl? I keep voting for it, and people keep on picking something else. Like, <laughs> Help a girl out. We need more Thrawn. Um, so yeah, he did... Chaos Rising, which came out like less than a year ago, right? And then Greater Good, which just came out. And we're getting Lesser Evil in November. So the man has been hard at work making all that money, as Patrick gives uh, the universal symbol for Forgive Me That. Um, The audiobook is super good right now. Um, I am a little bit past where we should be, but Mark Thompson is absolutely killing it in true Mark Thompson fashion. I highly recommend listening to the audio if you haven't done that yet. And this is right around the uh, time of the Clone Wars. Um, we'll get some kind of flashbacks a little bit or some prop passing references to um, things that happened in Chaos Rising and uh, the other canon trilogy, um, Thrawn Alliances. There's a little bit of some stuff from that that's kind of referenced. So uh, make sure to keep that. I don't know. Go back and read those. They're so good. Um, and the Utini rating, uh, Eric and the team wrote a fantastic review, um, and it's got an 8.7, which is a very good, and this is, I think, one point lower maybe than Chaos Rising. I mean, it's just, it's right neck and neck. I mean, he's just, some of these on's just on another level. So before we get into the summary and all the deep questions, just opening thoughts out the gate. What do you think of it so far? Uh, let's go with Patrick first. I got chills when the audiobook first starts up and you get that opening conversation, especially the first um, the first little political bickerings in the background. I got the hairs on my neck stood up. I was like, ooh, this is like classic, like peak prequels, nitpicking and political intrigue. And I'm here for it. I really need this in a television series format about all the Chiss families. I need it like yesterday on Disney Plus exclusive. Make it adult. I just, just I need it. Cheryl, how does it feel? I think you're reading the physical book. Uh, how, how does that feel to be back in his graces? Yeah, I'm reading it in digital form because my actual physical copy has not arrived yet. Because so international Adam, shipping I sucks. The, yep. Thanks to Adam, I have the digital copy. I do not do audiobooks. Mm. And... One of the main reasons why I don't do these ones is if, is his Thrawn, he did Thrawn in Rebels, right? Uh, no, Thrawn? that was a, that was a different voice actor. That was, um, oh, why am I going to forget his name? Because uh, if he, was... he does the voice the same as how it was in Rebels, I don't like that interpretation whatsoever. Mm. It's very similar, me. but it's a little smoother. Yeah, it's, close. So... it's a little smoother, I think, in here I'm trying to think yeah it's a little smoother on the audiobook i'll say okay 
I just I just hate how he talks on Rebels. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like. Fair that. enough. So yeah, no, I much prefer like physical books. Anyways, yeah, no, liking it. Um, Zahn is just getting into it right away, not wasting any time, and it looks like we're gonna learn a lot more about Chiss culture than we have previously seen. Which of course is the whole thing about this trilogy is we get to see the Chiss in a way that we have never seen them before. So. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into it from there. Um, this will be your spoiler warning. We're going all deep into chapters one through seven of Throne Ascendancy, Greater Good. Continue at your own risk. So we open with Arlani and Thrawn battling a remnant of the Nikardun, who seem to be acting like martyrs now. As they wrap up the threat, she pushes on towards more of the dynasty's stations, while Thrawn goes off on his own mission. At each station, Arlani manages to come across, ships have already been destroyed, and the debris reveals the asteroids are being used as cover for hidden missiles. It's weird, because no one should really know anything about the Nikardun well enough to destroy them like this. While examining the wreckage, she receives a call from Jafosk, ordering Thrawn back to the Ascendancy. As she fills Wutro in on Thrawn's innocent plans, she tasks Lakinda and her ship the Grey Shrike to head to Thrawn's last known location and report the message. While in hyperspace, Lakinda wonders how her order from Aralani will affect her, like her whole standing in the family. The Zodlaks used to be in the top ten ruling families with strong allies in the Eritzi, and Thrawn stole some of their honor by leaving the Greyshrike impaired in the last big Nikardun battle, which is something our family is not at all thrilled about. On board the Springhawk, Thrawn finds his way to the Rapak system, and finds Wingali, the Pakash, who gave him the Chimera Ring in command of a Nikardun frigate. When Thrawn proves himself friendly, they meet in person, and Wingali fills him in on a refugee situation. The refugees had shown up to the system three months before the two first met, back in Chaos Rising, and when the Nikardun showed up behind them, the Pakash had to sneak two ships out with the refugees. Only the one made it to Chiss space, with the other experiencing a hyperdrive failure. Even though it seems disastrous, it allowed Thrawn to find them and defeat Yiv the Benevolent. We learn that the refugees are a matriarchal society, led by the female Magus, her world has been destroyed, so she wants her and her people to die and enter the beyond, the cosmic force, to attempt to heal that world. The Pakash think Thalius can help convince them to stay alive, and when their shared connection to the force is revealed, the Magus agrees to go check out the actual damage of the world to see if it can be salvaged. When they arrive, they note that the planet has been pattern-bombed near the rivers where the cities would have been built. As the Magus laments the things that are beyond repair... Fifteen gunboats show up in attack formation out of nowhere. And while all of this is going on, super creepy villain, Haplif the Agbui watches a planet-wide civil war unfold alongside the mysterious Jixtus when a refugee ship escapes the battle looking for sanctuary, heading towards the planet Rapak. Haplif anonymously tasks the Nikardun with destroying them and then prepares to take care of the Chiss per Jixtus's wishes, no matter how long it takes. We learn that months later, he somehow runs into Yopalnik Kodoyol, a member of the second-tier Chiss family, and his partner Yomi, who are struggling to make ends meet during their gap year of study. He offers his ship and food to them, posing to be cultural nomads, and when they finally agree, after a bit of brooch bribery, he does something super weird and touches their temples as a gesture of greeting and friendship. Um, no thanks. Eventually, they find themselves on the planet Celis, where Zodlak counselor Lakuviv is handling local family affairs. They convince the counselor, with some more brooch bribery, to let them settle and grow spice on some nearby Zodlak land for about six months or so. Alright, 
I'm just going to get this out of the way first. Haplif is super freaking creepy. We're going to talk about him later, but I hate that guy. <laughs> um, let's let's just jump straight in to our favorite blue boy, Arthron, Mithron Nerodu. Love him to pieces. Um, first, I want to talk about his differences in canon versus legends. I mean, I know that we covered this um, just a tad on our Air to the Empire episodes, but now that we're actually talking about him in canon here on the show... Um, I'd like to revisit the discussion. So, Cheryl, let's start with you. What are his primary differences from Legends of Canon, and what do you enjoy most about him in these Ascendancy books specifically? So, I think Thrawn in canon in the canon animated series Rebels is more in line with Legends Thrawn. Mm. He's portrayed more as a clear-cut antagonist in Rebels and less like the anti-hero that he's more portrayed as in the canon Thrawn trilogy. Uh, closest thing we get in Legends to compare to the canon Thrawn trilogy, especially the first book that's simply titled Thrawn, is Outbound Flight. Uh, the new Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, we're seeing him as the full protagonist for the first time, where we are fully rooting for him at every step in the story, and I absolutely love rooting for Thrawn. And having a story that I can do that in without having to take his alliance with the Empire into consideration is mm. a breath of fresh air. So I am really loving this trilogy so far. Yeah, I cannot agree more with anything that you said there. Um, Patrick, how about you? What do you, Would you agree with Cheryl's breakdown of Thrawn uh, Legends versus canon? Yes, I actually think she got it spot on. I also will say I do find canon thrown the one we see in rebels as someone you do root for because he yes he is the villain and the main antagonist coming on like what season three and four but he's also very honorable about how he does things like when he he lets the rebels go after they bested him was it on ryloth on ryloth freedom mm -hmm. cham and he's he says to um lieutenant yes just let them have their victory they earned it today and that was like that's you know one example of something pretty honorable and noble i thought but he's he's so likable as a villain he's even i i can't help but not root for the man i really can't <laughs> no, yeah, yeah i really no, can't yeah totally. like of all the people I, that sure are, i always root for <laughs> yeah like you just can't help it like he seems like a really good guy he's just doing his job yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of that still carries over from, you know, his Legends impact, right? Of just, he was so crucial to a lot of that storytelling in the 90s that you're like, this is such a bad guy, but he's so well-written, so well-executed. And then we finally got him in, you know, this television series where he's still a piece of that. But yeah, there's this weird middle ground where being, um, you know, Cheryl pointed out, like, He's totally a hero here in this, and he doesn't have that imperial um, entanglement that is kind of interfering with his like loyalty to being Chiss, but also loyal to that honor. You know that you kind of talk about Patrick. It's really interesting. This is a very uncomplicated Thrawn, and I I, I really appreciate that. I think I'll also say that in Legends Thrawn, in the Hand of Thrawn duology that we get, it it brings him more in alignment with his motivations that he's given in the canon Thrawn books in that hmm. it is about the, the big threat that's out there. And that is why he's aligning with the empire is because he thinks they're the ones that will be able to defeat that big threat. Yeah. 
yeah, that makes total sense. And he, he stays pretty open. Like he's, he's not willing, you know, we talked in air to the empire, like he's open to considering everything that's kind of going on. And that kind of bleeds in my next question. And, you know, again, we did talk about it in our air to the empire episodes, um, how he's open to these new ideas. And he was pretty quick, you know, to bring up the force, uh, just calling it the force whenever he Macro, and, and Thalius were talking about the beyond and third sight. Um, and outside of Anakin getting a name drop here, um, what did you make of his ability to connect the dots? Um, and, you know, it seems we talked a little bit about it, but he seems a little bit like in his reference to the force, um, like it maybe seems like he doesn't hold it in as such regard, like later in life. And why do you think that is? Uh, he's able to connect the dots easily because Thrawn by nature is curious. So I think Thrawn sees, a, sees the force as another piece of a puzzle and his puzzles are always changing. He he knows the force is there. The Skywalkers with their third sight tell him that much. I just don't think he spends too much time thinking about it because he himself cannot utilize or wield it. Hmm. So I think he'll he'll take it into consideration. But yeah, he's not around force users at all times in this iteration of his life. But um and also the force is kind of beyond tactics and reason and sometimes understanding because it's like a cosmic energy, right? I think it's also part of my problem with him in his Rebels portrayal because I think it's because Filoni is writing him instead of Zahn. Hmm. Because Thrawn would know not to underestimate a Jedi once he's had the encounters that he's had with Anakin in that in the Alliance's plot line and with the Emperor, certainly. Um, so I don't think it's the result of an event like him not taking it into consideration. I think it's more a result of Filoni not fully, enough, not fully understanding how to write the character, hmm. as awful as that is to say. Um, I think it was also like it could have been because of the constraints of how he had to utilize him in that show just because he required a competent antagonist who couldn't use the force. So he was like, yo, let's, let's use Thrawn. And it's part of the reason why I don't love his betrayal in the show, because I think that, yeah, he, he would have, he would have taken the force into consideration and he wouldn't have underestimated the Jedi. I gotcha. Yeah. I follow that. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited that we're getting, in the the first canon trilogy that was thrown alliances and treason i love that it 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 does kind of back into the rebels like like some of the events from rebels are mentioned there so we do get zon kind of eloquently trying to write around what kind of happened there because that's so, what he was given they were right. like Here, yeah this is this is what's done now you have to work around that and, right. and I think he did the best job that he could in mm-hmm. in working around what was given to him. Yeah. I, I do think there is something to say, though, for just just having to, to go as deep into his imperial workings as he had to. Like, that's going to there's a different set of constraints that he's having to work within, maybe that could change a little bit of um, not even necessarily his attitudes, but just his 
mental capacity to deal with things. I mean, like, uh, I love the bantering that we got in, uh, between him and Krennic and their respective plans, you know, like the Death Star versus the TIE Defender. And so, like, they're very different competing interests. Um, although we're learning that the Chiss had plenty of competing interests on their own. Um, so yes. that's, we'll we'll get into that, too. Sorry, um, I kind of went off on a tangent to no, rebels, and that let's. No, that's perfect. Sorry. That's perfect. I mean, it's it's all thrawn, and in in a lot of ways, it's all good. <laughs> um, so, I guess Patrick, do you have any words that you want to want to add on to any of that? Um, no, I think y'all summed it up perfectly. Cool. I cool, do. Cool, cool. I do think once um, you. Oh, sorry, I did have something at this. No. No, I do think once once she brought up that um, yeah, once you meet somebody like Anakin, you can't take. You can't, like, ever underestimate a Jedi or a Force user or anything because it's just, like, almost in our real world, things that we can't explain, you j- you just can never count them out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was interesting, you know, reading this, knowing what we know from Rebels and, you know, trying not to go into super deep spoilers there either or for any of the, um, uh, the earlier canon stuff too, but... It's just the the force is so much. <laughs> it's it's a lot, and you know the Chiss understanding of it is very limited to what you know what he would say in lesser space. Their experience of it is so. You know, as he meets Anakin, um, and he references in this conversation here with Samacro and Thalius, he's like, "Oh, that's that's the force. Like like I'm making this connection here. It's it's different. Um, there's more to it. I still don't fully understand it, but there's going to be more to it. Like there's just still so much to take in from it. Um, but yeah, no, I think all all good points around. Um, and we've had plenty of discussions, you know, talking in the Discord um, last year around Chaos Rising. But I'm really valuing the way that he treats Thalius um, and like, you know, making her like a representative as a senior commander, you know, for her relationship with the refugees. Um, and Cheryl, I'll start with you. You know, is Thrawn trying to play her like everyone else or does he genuinely trust her to lead? Um, and either way, like, what does that say about him? Thrawn has always he always gives those he sees with potential the chance to grow. So he does this with his officers, he does it with Cherie, he does it... So Thalius is not going to be any less in that regard. Thrawn doesn't try to play his comrades. He always wants them to be curious, and when he sees any slight sign of, like, earnest in them or a willingness to learn, he will nurture that. Mm. I think he also sees in people what they don't yet see in themselves. So he'll trust others to step up and do what he already believes that they can do, and Thrawn has taken Thalius on da- on dangerous missions, and he's had to trust her a few times in the past already, so he's just going to keep fostering that confidence in her. All of this is just to say Thrawn is an excellent teacher and leader. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the doodle boy said, Shuri? I, I never knew Thrawn went to Wakanda. That's <laughs> um, it's really oh, funny. Oh, sorry. I don't no, listen to the good. audiobooks, no, so you're good. I sometimes mispronounce the names. No, that's perfect. I'm just trying to now imagine Thrawn and Black Panther <laughs> going, <laughs> going up against each other. You see, T'Challa, oh, that's hilarious. I have deduced by your suit that your father... Oh my god, there's an apostrophe in T'Challa too. It's perfect. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> they were just the whole time. <laughs> That's where they get the power from. That is where the vibranium came from. It fell from a meteorite from the Chiss Ascendancy that 
hit Earth years and years ago. Yeah. Use your, and, uh, that use vi- your third the eyes, vibranium, my brother. The vibranium is actually just Kyber, too, right? <laughs> oh, big brain stuff here, people. You're not ready for it. Uh, but no, Cheryl, I completely agree with everything that you said. Um, Thrawn's ability to... to uh, he looks for those teachable moments, um, and that's it's really valuable. Patrick, what do you think? Do you think that he's he's going to end up playing Thalius, um, or does he he mean it? Actually, I think he means it, especially if someone is loyal to him. He will bring you along with them, and like Cheryl said, he gives you a chance to grow. We've seen with the Empire, he is very... Like, was it Legends? Where he... Him and... If I'm getting this wrong, Cheryl, please correct me. But him and Paleon, mm-hmm. they were... Or was it, am I getting that right? I'm, I'm fuzzy. My yeah. brain's fuzzy and I'm getting... He's done it with Paleon. He's done it with Eli. He's done it with Cardass. That's... He does it with a lot of characters. Thank you. See, this is why she's on the show today. <laughs> uh, see, I'm already... Yep. I'm already drunkling it here. And uh, I'm just here for the entertainment value. Y'all are here for the smarts. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, he, he's like a good dad in that way. Uh, n- not not you. I mean, I'm sure you would be a great father, but Thrawn. <laughs> looking looking for those. It, yeah, he looks for it. And when he sees it, like yeah. when he sees that curiosity, he's like, that's my person. Well, and he does, you know, in a sense... I, I don't think as much as, as people in the, the Empire or what he, what maybe the rest of the Chiss family would like to, but he's going to reward loyalty as well. Um, and once he sees someone has a genuine interest, you know, like you were saying, and especially an interest in him, like there's a reason Thalius is on board. And, you know, once he figured that out in Chaos Rising, he's like, oh, uh, like you want to be here. Cool. Let's make this work. And that's cool. Um, we get a lot of her here and there's definitely no complaints for me. You know, she's officially been named um, Sherry's caregiver, you know, even if she did end up missing our girl Star Day. Um, and she's also taking on this huge task. I mean, she's basically acting as a diplomat for these refugees. Um, and I know that we're pretty early in but like where do you think that she's going to end up um and is she doing too much like and is doing too much going to be her downfall like because most i mean you know and we talk about it too a little bit later but um like most of the caregivers they don't want to or most of the former skywalkers don't want to be caregivers like they're tired of that life and so the fact that she's willing to have gone through it and then to come back and have the official title on top of everything like ooh, ooh, somebody give her like momish of the year cheryl what, what do you think about all this? Well, I think the fact that she's so openly admitted to a group of alien species about the secret of Chiss Skywalkers using third sight in an effort to earn their confidence Ooh, is going I didn't even to think come about back that. to bite her in the butt later on. That's just my, that's my call. Moreover, I think it's going to bite Thrawn in the butt since it was his decision his decisions that led her to be in that position as diplomat when she's not one in the first place. And then Thalius is also supposed to be reporting to Thurfian at some point, even though she doesn't want to. And I think that check is about Mm. to come due at the worst possible time. So that's just my, I was just like, when she admitted that openly in front of all of those aliens that are sitting there listening, I was like, Oh, that's (laughs) supposed to be a secret, honey. You're not supposed to be just willy-nilly telling people about that. That is, that's like, that's a, 
the, the defense force right. or fleet, they're not going to be happy that that, yeah, that is now sure. public knowledge. Patrick, would you agree that, that that's going to be a problem? Stop <laughs> snitching! Stop <laughs> snitching! Don't run your mouth. You, they were doing too well, much of this. Too much she of this. She even has a comment. This time. I get why she's doing it. She's doing it to build that bond and foster that build up. Right. Like she's trying to get an in with them, but I just I'm like, oh, I don't I don't well, then, know if that was. And then the she right shows call. up to that conversation afterwards, right, with Thrawn and Samako, and she's like, oh hey, so uh, I told her she's gonna be fine with it as long as we can go back to the planet, and like just making that promise, um, and then luckily like it all worked out. But like that's that's a bold move, Chica, <laughs> like. Jeez. One thing you do not do with military people. Overshare mm, information. Yeah. yeah. Stranger danger. Yeah, that's... As, um, in the words of my fr- uh, one of my favorite characters, James Carter <laughs> from Rush Hour 2. G14 yes. classified. Uh, always here for a good Rush Hour reference. Um, you know, through through Thalius, we we also learn a lot about Skywalkers and their caregivers. Um, and we talked a little bit, but like the fact that Third Sight has stages that mimic their sleep cycles, and that most Skywalkers just want to be done with the program whenever their time comes. Um, and we learn from Lakinda um, that one that heard. Skywalker's trash uh, or her caregiver's trash. Um, but, you know, we learned that, like, they have, like, particular time windows when they can best operate. And, like, the one on board the Grey Strike gets woozy in, like, six hours versus the usual nine. Cheryl, are you, are you glad that we're getting this kind of information? Um, I felt like this was right up your alley, you know, after talking through, like, why does the Force leave at some point? Like, why do they grow out of it? Um, back on the, all of our living Force conversations and everything in the chat. But what do you think about all this? Yeah, my main intrigue with the, with the living Force chat was the Skywalkers losing their third sight while they're actively, mm-hmm. they're, they're actively u- using it. And utilizing it so and then and that the loss seemed to coincide with the onset of puberty like i was just wondering if there was some metaphor there and i believe tom <laughs> confirmed for me that no there wasn't a deeper meaning there or intent at all it was just a plot point but um you're correct in that i'm enjoying this part of the story particularly how the different chiss view the skywalkers um, some of the officers seem to forget that these are very young children and expect them to perform like machines, some caregivers included, like you referenced, um, the one caregiver that doesn't really seem to care much. And so I'm appreciating the admirals and the captains and the officers mm-hmm. that treat them with that empathy and softness. And as for the sleep cycles, I think it's just further showing us that the caregivers who have served as Skywalkers yeah. was the most ideal situation. Though, of course, most Skywalkers want to leave that part of their life behind, and who can blame them? These are children who are taken from their families and placed aboard military vessels and have no normal childhood. And in being passed around between multiple caregivers who don't understand what you're going through, I can see why they want nothing to do with it afterwards. Do you think that um, that the life of a young Skywalker, but I'm tissed, would be a lot rougher than that of a young Jedi? as uh they do they do kind of follow the same life path like kind of taken but aren't if i'm there's parallels yeah sure. like i'm thinking because remember season two of clone wars when they're talking about when um they're trying to protect hmm. the younglings that go to the temple from sidious are the jedi younglings are they taken willingly or 
is it you have to give it up because technically we're still the government and we said so. I think the Jedi had said that it's the parents' choice whether or not they give them to be a Jedi. And most parents are like, yeah, yeah, like a Jedi, cool. But like, yeah, it's the same. It's like still kids being taken from their families and put in. Yes, it definitely seems seems way more. Whether it's a Jedi or a military, yeah. like. Yeah, the the chance it definitely seems a little bit more like you're conscripted into it. There's not really much of an option uh, because we got that uh, uh, Thrawn talked about in Chaos Rising, right? That he had a, a sister that was just mm-hmm. up and disappeared one day. And then he had to find out later what had happened. Like, um, and I, I would. Yeah. They never explicitly say that they're taken, though, without their choice. Mm. Who knows? Maybe the parents are like, yes, the expansionary de- defense fleet is a very important part of protecting the ascendancy. So we will sacrifice our child for that. Like. It's probably very, very similar to how the parents of would-be Jedi mm. are approached. About Zon, it. we need answers. Give us the answers. We need to know. I always wondered this, because um, we've also seen in the galaxy, mm. there's a lot of poverty. Is it also a way for a lot of parents yeah. to get their kids out of poverty? Like, oh, he's forced to... Well, Don't be poor with us. Go on, Yeah, especially kid. if you were, like, one of the outer families, like the the, the yeah. 40 or the lesser. And then, because you know that when they're done, their Skywalker service, one of the one of the ruling nine usually takes them into their family because they're like, mm-hmm. yes, you've done a great service. You are now part of one of the nine ruling families. So there's that aspect, too, where now, yeah, you could be a farmer before, but if you go and do this afterwards, you'll be part of, like, one of the nine ruling it's like a little four-year-old. I don't want to go to the military. Shut up and get well, in there. And, and shut up and go get. Well, shut up and I don't go want to be open rich. up, you know, too big of a can of worms. But it's very much like Anakin. I mean, that's Shmi's whole reason for encouraging Anakin to go was because he she didn't want him to live yeah. in a continued life of slavery. And he also chose to go. That's what he wanted. I mean, he might not have been fully developed enough to like know exactly what he was getting himself into, but still, like he wanted to go, and she encouraged it. Get the boy out. I mean, yeah. Timothy. Did you really need to be that fully developed in the brain to know that being a Jedi was a lot better than being right. on the plantation? Yeah, no. That man was three <laughs> planets over from picking something. Okay? No. Uh, no, yeah, you're right. He's about to sing on galactic spirituals. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we mentioned Samacro briefly. Uh, Patrick, I'll, I'll come to you first. You know, he doesn't trust at all what Thrawn has done with the Springhawk, um, nor does he trust Thales' standing that Thrawn has basically given her, um, or any of the circumstances around her arrival. And he firmly distrusts Thurfian, too, because he's willing to tear literally everything down. Down just to get rid of Thrawn. Um, what is Samacro's deal? Uh, do you think he trusts anyone at all? Uh, no, and I honestly, I think for good measure, because when you're in the political circle that you are in, you, you really can't trust anybody because it's play or be played. You can either put the knife in someone or the knife will be put in you. So, I just, the tr- lack of trust comes from the kind of the job type thing yeah um cheryl what do you think about all this what is what's up with some macro i think some macro is very much a product of chis culture and politics so in the case of nature versus nurture some macro is the nurture side of growing up in that climate um Samacro is behaving very much like what I would imagine most chis would behave like in his situation i think he ultimately believes in the cause of whatever is best for the ascendancy much the same way Thrawn does but he would just like to go about it in a very different way than Thrawn does like more in alignment with true yeah just... by the book yeah 
rules. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, he very much, um, <laughs> he very much reminds me of Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men. Uh, you know, the whole "you can't handle the truth" like, and, and Mark Thompson's <laughs> voice is very much there. But he's very much that military through and through. He is, you know, not necessarily he was bred that way. Um, wasn't necessarily born, but he was very much you know bred that way. And it's it's really interesting to see how he's um he even uses that in his loyalty to thrawn right like he knows that what thrawn is doing isn't super wise um but he still trusts him because he has to because thrawn's his commanding officer at this point um and that's that's a really interesting dichotomy to see in him because it's very different than what we get um thrawn with eli vanto or thrawn with paleon like simacro is very much um in it unwillingly, uh, but because he has to, um, it's, it's really, really fun to, to watch how he, um, operates within that structure. Yeah. Go ahead, Patrick. I just want to know where do y'all draw the line on separation of that soldier to warrior? Mm. I'm going to defer to Cheryl. <laughs> I don't have my notes in front of You're me. Good. I had that all written down for our other book that we discussed. You asked that question and I had my really wonderful answer and it's on different show notes. So refer back to that episode and <laughs> listen to what I said. Yeah, there. I think I think there's a lot you know behind belief, right? Like, like uh, your personal understanding, your, your moral uh, drive, I guess. Um, and it, it's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of ways that that could go for sure. <laughs> Soldiers more they follow orders. They don't think for themselves necessarily. Even if they want to do something different, they won't because they will follow orders. Whereas a warrior is doing it more uh, because of conviction yeah. or because of his beliefs, and it is for a just cause, and he is doing what he feels is right. Type thing. That's kind of. A... Yep. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Also thought along the lines, warriors were more skilled. That too, yeah. Like a soldier's just somebody who's like, you know, they got main weapon. And they just yeah, just I, go I, fight, do things. So a warrior's actually like a multi-talented, multi-trained, high-level combatant who has some leadership yeah, ability. They're, they're willing sure. to use their brain along with the training that they've received. I think. Um, yeah. The, there's that extra component there. Let's talk about Thurfian. <laughs> you know, he and Zestalmu, his um, Eritzi contactor, are still trying to break Thrawn. Um, some pirates, the Vagari, holy cow, we'll get to there in a second, and have been causing some problems. So they set out to work um, some timing and rumors to their advantage that Thrawn will be lured out to come or to confront them again. Um, Though Thurfian is succeeding as Syndic Prime, he yearns for more power, um, and he wants to be Speaker. He spies on all these other families. We learn about the Styla, or the Stybla. Uh, they have this ancient history and power, and they just gave it away for obscurity for some reason. Um, and while settling disputes between Syndics, and even still, you know, working to use Thales against Thrawn. Like, the man has a lot on his plate. Um, Patrick, can you remind me what he is so worried about Thrawn for? That he's just going to be better than him. That's my, that was my whole thoughts on it. That's the only thing I can remember. I was like, <laughs> why does he hate this man so much? Oh, wait, is he going to absurd the powers that be? Hmm. Yeah, so I, Not quite. I would come at it almost from a, like, he's going to literally destroy everything that the Chiss and the Myth family kind of stands for. 
Uh, Cheryl, let's let's let you give your piece. So I'd like to preface my answer with the fact that I had this written on the day before that Timothy Zahn Q&A happened yeah. with Tom and Mr. Zahn on Thursday, and I feel super validated that I had the correct answer. <laughs> uh, so ultimately, it comes down to what Thrawn could possibly do to the family name of the myth and the influence among the nine ruling families and for the ascendancy. So Thrawn has the potential to greatness, yes, but he also has the potential for political disaster and ruin. And so he thinks Thrawn is brazen and pushes the boundaries of the Chiss law too far and bends too much, and that, and he's worried that eventually Thrawn will bring ruin to the myth family and name and even and is almost a threat to the ascendancy. So it's all about the potential fallout for him, and that's his. That's why. He doesn't want Thrawn where he is. I got mm. that. Like in the first conversation that he's having, I felt I'm like, but the logic of him is so unfounded because that can happen with anybody. Anybody leaks a secret of the of a, a ruling family, or anybody just steps out a little too far, especially in an oligarch system, it can ra- unravel everything. I think Thrawn does it on a level that no one before him has. Everyone has been playing it by the book and following, like, no preemptive strikes. Like, that's the big one, is the preemptive strikes, right? Like, Thrawn is very much pushing those boundaries, and he has people that are in positions of power right. around him, right? With the with the general and with Arlani. And so he has other people that are helping him navigate the political world and, like, bend those rules and that also is an added that's why um he feels so like then it's a lot of the new kind of like a new way of doing things versus this is how we used to do them back in my day he's a grouchy old head yes yeah he's like this has worked for the ascendancy for years this is what we do and he is doing it in a different way and that makes him uncomfortable yeah, because Thrawn doesn't really care about any of that stuff. He just wants to. I mean, he he wants to protect he the wants ascendancy. To protect the ascendancy as much as any of the other chests. Yes, he just goes about it in a way that is outside of the rules. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, shout out to you there, Cheryl. Jared says, as always, Cheryl's totally rocking my world and opening my eyes. I sometimes wonder if we even read the same book. <laughs> So mad props to you. Thanks, Jared. Um, yeah, I, I love the discussion. And, you know, we talked, uh, I, I heard Jared mention it on this last week's episode of Legends Look Back. Cheryl, we're going to talk about it right now. Um, on page 12, Thurfian is plotting with Zistalmu, right? And we hear of a legend story, which now it seems to be part of canon, at least parts of it. What was your reaction to this? I know that you flipped out and messaged Jared like, oh, my God, it's happening. Um, I did. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Jared, have you read this book yet? And he's like, yeah, I, did. I read it a long time ago. I was like, oh, my God. How funny. Like, yeah. He's like, so, yeah. He's like, I don't want to go into too many details, but. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're we're gonna keep it to to the first seven chapters here. But the Vagari pirates, right, were um, very heavily used in outbound flight. Yes. Correct. 
and were eventually kind of tied to the Yuuzhan Vong and, you know, some other things as we get into some of the deeper kind of uh, edges of Legends, right? Yeah, I I haven't uh, which which series was the was the Yusong Vong? This is gonna be that order. was like that nine book series. I didn't read that one, but yeah. but Vagari were super heavy in Outbound Flight and the one the um, Survivor's Quest, mm. which is about them trying to figure out what happened to Outbound Flight. So yeah, there it's like so parts of that they can't obviously bring the full story in to canon but the fact that he's borrowing again and bringing parts of that into canon i was just like flipping out i was like yeah yeah i was super excited for more analysis of outbound flight tune into legends look back on may 6 and 13 <laughs> yeah and why why those two specific dates cheryl is that because we'll be talking about outbound flight i will be because on you're gonna be on freaking them. legends look back again that's super exciting yes i'm so excited may, may is the month of cheryl y'all if y'all did not know this may is the month of cheryl and <laughs> may is my month it's all coming up Millhouse. we are here for it patrick did you catch this reference and in, in the, the the gravity that it it was like what it meant this is um uh, this is the reference <laughs> right over your head <laughs> this is what i get for uh doing like kind of multitask and read things at work so it's like you know audiobook uh, doing yeah. something Yo! the plane takes off <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm just i'm i'm exactly like be nasty he said he's never read outbound flight before um and I've, I've never have either, but when Cheryl messaged me in the notes, she's like, you missed this huge thing. And I was like, okay, I, I'm confused. I figured it out. I went to Google and I went to the Wook, which I usually don't like to do. And I was like, oh, this matters like a lot. Um, and it definitely bumped Outbound Flight and Survivor's whoa, whoa, Quest whoa, whoa, up my whoa. list. Oh, man. It, like Outbound Flight, Timothy Zahn takes so much from outbound flight and puts it into canon so when you read that book you'll be like oh because mm. like a lot like yeah anyways i'll talk more yeah about pa- patrick is asking us to yeah. rewind something back I, I, what, you what, don't like the book it it's okay it's okay it's just i i prefer i prefer to approach things organically and to hit up trevor <laughs> the laziness no i'm just i got i, I gotta oh play for the God. home team <laughs> We're also a bunch of nice Fair folks enough. that, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm super excited. It's there's so many so many cool things that Zahn is able to work in here, and I'm really excited to see where it goes um, as we continue the book. Um, and just knowing how how he's playing with you know like the scene with Anakin, and and that this is in within you know those back, um, uh, the earlier timestamps, I guess, in Thrawn alliances. Like I'm interested to see if, if these stories come together more in any way, shape or form. So really excited about that. Um, let's talk about this super creepy as all blue hell hapless villain. Cause I cannot stand this freaking ag buoy. Um, he's tactical. Um, if he's a bit overconfident in the first memory section, He's a, a pawn in Jixtus's grand designs, uh, but the dude is definitely dedicated to his cause. I mean, he spent five months on five different worlds just trying to learn everything possible about the Chiss. What does it say about 
his studies and everything that he still can't figure them out after five months on five different worlds. Cheryl, let's start with you. I think it's more of a reflection of the complexities of Chiss culture and politics, and he might have underestimated that. Um, I mean, we can certainly be confused as readers sometimes about like how it all works. So you could see how it would take it would be like a tough nut for him to crack. Yeah. Um, and I think it also shows us he's not he's not infallible. So mm. yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Patrick, do you have any particular thoughts on Haplift? Um. <laughs> oh, back to what you were saying about how he hasn't figured out the chips in five months. Let's be honest. Most people can't learn a second language in five months. You know how long it took some of us to actually pass a second language class in school? Yeah, you try learning a whole culture in five months. Yeah, see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, five months later, you're still trying yeah, to figure out how when... to order water at a restaurant, buddy. Yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Camarero, you quiero... Agua? You're trying to figure out how to ask where the washroom is, not saying I am a yeah, right? <laughs> right. How do I not say I'm an a-hole in Spanish in the middle of Spain? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love that we're getting so much of, of Chiss here. I mean, like, Haplif's trying to learn it all. We're trying to learn it all because Thrawn's giving us, like, we only knew there were nine ruling families. Now we know that there were more than 40 and at sometimes there were like as few as like three ruling families and like I, like there's just so much all over the place like he's giving us all of these details yeah i can only imagine why he's under like so much pressure just trying to cram everything and i hope that he passes actually i hope that he doesn't pass whatever test jixtus has for him but like i'm i'm also very intrigued by him and we'll we'll get to jixtus um in i'm sure the coming weeks because he's this grand villain that you know, was teased in the end of Chaos Rising, and we get him teased right here at the very beginning, and like, I don't know, we need to figure that out. Um, I think the last thing that I want to ask about is the Magus and the refugees. Um, they are fleeing civil war, they find themselves on Rapak. everything about them indicates desperation, and they're running out of time. Um, Patrick, what is your whole vibe on them, and what do you think about their yearning to get into the beyond? I think they're trying to leave, Timothy. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) They got somewhere to go. (laughs) Exactly. Places to be, somewhere to go. Actually, go to someone else. I am not fully informed on that. Like, my opinion is not fully, fully focused on that yet. Okay. Cool. There's. I'm. I'm sure we'll still get to them here in the next couple of weeks. Cheryl, do you have anything you want to say about the Magus and the refugees? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what to make of them yet. Okay. Um, I'm certainly on the same page as Thrawn in that, like, help your world by putting in the work in the living realm rather than the afterlife. Like, I kind of. I don't really understand their reasoning there, and I think, I think it's just maybe trying to say that they're in a really deep state of grief. Mm. And that can sometimes put us in a really dark place mentally, you know? Yeah. Like, we're like, what? what is the meaning of it? It's pointless. And, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems a, a little weird and, um, like, kind of, kind of cultish. Um, and it's, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really interested to see where this goes. Uh, Hannah and I have been watching a lot of HBO documentaries. And um, after watching those and then, you know, listening to the Magus talk and the way that she's asking people to, you know, just to like that that whole concept is very um 
Yeah, very interesting. Jared puts in the chat, you know, the fascination with joining the beyond reminded me of uh, bad Christian eschatology. Like some people <laughs> check out from the problems of the world and just say, it's okay, I'm going to heaven. Like totally. Like, like, like how, well, how about you yes. deal with the stuff that you got going on? Like, like, like be a grown up, handle your adult problems. How about, how about you deal with the stuff that impacts real living people that are here now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. As long as you have a reason to still be here, like put in the work. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, you're not totally. just gonna Patrick. mooch off the Lord's good air. No, you're gonna do some work for the Lord's good air. Okay. Yeah. Oh but, man. Well, we we covered a lot this week. Um, there is so much that we still didn't even talk about. Like, shout out to our homegirl Arlani, um, and the all of the Zodlak families. Like, we've got all of the the lack names, right? Like Lakinda and Lakuviv and Lakfro and Lacris and like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot happening here. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited to get to it here in the next couple of weeks. Um, so let's close with um, favorite moments, favorite characters. Um, Cheryl, we'll start with you first. Uh, I my freak out moment when they started talking about outbound flight stuff. Yeah. I was like, Oh, and then, um, Another thing he Zon brought in too was the asteroids, like having the missiles inside yes. of them. That just reminded me of the mole miners inside of the asteroids. Oh my god, doing. I didn't even think about that. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Patrick, how about you? Favorite moments, favorite characters? Uh my favorite character, well, it's just Thrawn because why not? Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's just so good. He's so artistically well done. And I don't think I have a favorite moment yet. Um, okay. I need to wait. I need to wait till I get farther along. But I don't think I have a favorite one yet. But I do love. I should say all the, like the political intrigue behind it. That should be. Yeah. That could be my favorite moment. Yeah. I yeah. I really loved. Um, I really love Thalius um, and the trust that that Thrawn gives her um, to see her handle this huge task um, that is asked of her when she has no obligation to say yes, really um, just her willingness to step out and, and to do that um, is really cool. Um, and favorite moment so far. Um, I'm going to probably say her conversations with some macro. Um, there's the, the dialogue that they have, the understanding that they're trying to come, you know, to each other with, um, also while Smackro's trying to, uh, uh, to try to ruin her in a weird way. Like he's just like being this little extra, um, extra kind to her. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I loved all of that. It's like the political side of him is coming out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And on a very intimate level, um, with someone who, um, like Thalia's probably like, she's hasn't had to be around that much. So she's kind of like thrown almost in that way. Like she wouldn't expect it. Um, like why would someone take the time to, to go into all that? Like that just seems whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, if she's just, she should expect she it. She should. How, she really should. They're though. always working that. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot, but I'm so excited for it. Um, thank y'all for listening to us this week. We'll be back oh, next week to talk we to Throne Ascendancy, Greater Good. What? I'm getting on Twitter. Oh, you're getting on Twitter. God. <gasps> Yay. God dang it, Timothy. I sent you this like early in the week. Pay attention, man. Ugh. So you have it? It's a thing? No, not yet. I got to make it after the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You should have made it before the this, show, so we can announce your, your Twitter handle. I, I was going up, Here's the but thing. 
I went to get uh, chicken wings, and it was 20 minutes away, and <laughs> priorities. Oh, my God. They were spicy. Dog. All right. Next week, we're talking chapters 8 through 14. Um, what a what a fun time. Um, in the meantime, you can find us. You can, you'll eventually be able to find Patrick on Twitter. Uh, for now, he's on Discord at Mac11. <laughs> you can find the rest of us at Conjure Book Club. I am at underscore tguthrie. Adam is at darkstarau. And our special guest, Cheryl Bell, is on Twitter at Cheryl K. Bell. And Discord, she is Cheryl with the blue butterfly. You can also follow the Utini Podcast Network at Utini Network for updates on all of our shows, including our exclusive Patreon releases. Uh, Cafes released an episode yesterday. So this past Friday, we talk about video games. Super exciting. If you want to help support the show, uh, consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast platforms. It'll help people find us and hopefully join our incredible community. Um, you can also pick up the books that we read on utini.com. Just look up the books you're interested in, click on one of our affiliate links on the book profile page, and you'll help keep us on the air and produce some more awesome content. You'll find links to Greater Good in June's book, Age of Republic, in the show notes and pinned to our chat in the Discord channel. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at atini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. May the Force be with you, everyone. 